0: When we stand before the Bema Rewards Seat of Christ, it's not going to be the applause of men all around us whooping it up and look what he did and look at the great sermons he spoke or the great evangelists or how many people he saved or the great worship songs that he wrote, whatever it might be. It isn't going to be that way.
1: Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse by verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff.
0: Verse 2, the word steward, that's what it means. It's steward was one who took care of the master's goods. He didn't own the goods, he just took care of the goods, he managed the goods to where he knew where to pull out those goods when the master had need of them, and they were used for the master's purposes. And so it was a good steward that was one who was able to do that. The master would say, I need this, and he was able to get it and use it for the purposes of the master. That's what you and I are called to do, to be faithful and just being that steward for God. Stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the mysteries of God. And to give the word of God to others. May you and I be faithful in that. To give in the truth of the gospel and God's word. To know where the goods are. To be able to reach and get those. And to be a blessing to others as we give them truth. As we serve them. As we love them. That's one of the things why I've always said when it comes to a steward. To being a good steward. Knowing where the goods are. That's why it's real important that you know the scripture and the whole of scripture. The Old Testament and the New Testament. People will say to me, Pastor Jeff, how is it that you can take the Old Testament, that illustration, and apply it with what's being taught in the New Testament? And it's because just over the years, you know, as you study the Scriptures, as you go through it, you're able to do that. And you're able to do that as well. Just as you study God's Word, Old and New Testament, being faithful to, to continue to grow in God's Word. And then when you need it, that you're able to take the master's truth and goods and be able to share that with others. So what is it that God has called you to do? Opportunities. What what is on your heart? How is it that you can minister to others? And as you are living life and as you're walking with him, you just be faithful to doing what the Lord has called you to do. And others may be running and splitting around you. But what you are to do is you are to dig in your heels and say, Lord, I'm going to stay put until you tell me otherwise. I am going to just keep rowing day after day. I'm going to be that faithful steward that you've called me to do. And Lord, if you called me to guard the beans, the lentils, that's what I'm going to do. I just want to be found to be a faithful steward. And verse 3, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Paul here is saying, I don't put a lot of stock in what you're saying about me. Some of the believers, many of the believers at Corinth were putting Paul down. They were judging Paul. And he says, it doesn't bother me that you judge me. I don't even judge myself. Now when you do minister, and put yourself in that place of ministry, there will be all kinds of pressure that can be put on you as a minister, people judging you. As a minister, I've experienced that, the pressure of people over the years and and the judgment and the criticism and the evaluations and all that. And that judgment sometimes will be where it is critical or putting you down. Sometimes that judgment might be to where people elevate you. And Paul here says, it's a small thing for, for me that you judge me. Paul had a unique relationship with the Corinthian church. They, for a lot of the part, a lot of the Christians, they, they held him out at arm's length. And they would criticize Paul. And that would grow. And we see it in the second letter particularly that he wrote to them. He says, the more that I love you guys, the less I am loved by you. And Paul was one that labored for them. He wasn't supported by the Corinthians. Now, the church of Philippi, they loved Paul. They expressed that love to him. They supported Paul so he could minister full-time. But it wasn't that way with the Corinthians. And so Paul says, you can judge me, but it's no small thing that you judge me. And and, and they were always trying to influence Paul in, in all of this and all kinds of talk that was going on concerning Paul and comparing him with the other ministry leaders and apostles that would come on the scene. You know, one of the things that we do need to be as careful as ministers. We can be influenced on how others are judging us or evaluating us or looking at us rather than just being faithful to the Lord and saying, Lord, how is it that you evaluate me? And that's what Paul is going to say again here in verse 4. He who judges me is the Lord. So he says, "I, I don't, you know... Consider it a big thing for you guys to judge me. I don't even consider judge myself, he says. Now, in that, Paul is not saying that he didn't evaluate what it is that he is doing. Certainly he did. He says, for I know nothing against myself, verse 4. Paul was always one that would present his heart to the Lord. He wanted to be right before the Lord. But what he is saying here is, actually, later on in this chapter, he's going to say, imitate me. Later on in in the book, he'll say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, he says, examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith. So there is that judgment that comes from others. And then there's that judgment that is that self-judgment. And Paul says, I don't judge myself in that self-judgment or condemning myself. Or it can be where you elevate yourself, think more highly of yourself than you ought. Both can be a problem. Sometimes as ministers, we can walk around, oh, I'm no so good, Lord, and I'm so worthless. And I'm such a failure, and we're always doing that and coming down on ourselves. Or we can walk around, if you're not careful, and say, Lord, you're so blessed to have me serving you. <laughs> I mean, look what's going on, and look at the success. And, you know, you can have that kind of mindset in your heart. So oftentimes, our estimation of ourselves can be wrong. We can be too hard on ourselves or too easy on ourselves. But then Paul says what is important, as I mentioned to you, he who judges me, verse 4, is the Lord. There is that third judgment that is the important one. This is the one that really should uh, concern us and be a priority in our lives. I don't care what you say about me. I don't even take stock of my own judgment, but I am concerned about how the Lord judges me because he is my judge. He is the one that I want to please in my life. He's the one that I want to be faithful and true to in His ways. In verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will... Both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. The Corinthians were good at judging others. They were really into that. And that judgment would take on comparing God's servants with one another's. Well, Apollos, he's the eloquent one. He's the great orator. Cephas, he has more prestige. He actually walked with the Lord. He has more experience Paul, he's the great apostle to the Gentiles, and it was almost like they were judges in an athletic event or some kind of competition where they would give trophies to some and others they would try to send away as losers. Hey, you're a loser. And many were actually saying that about Paul. Hey, Paul, yeah, sure you came to us at first, but you know what, we have these great apostles and these great speakers and all of this. And that's the mindset that they had. So Paul says, don't be doing that. Don't judge others because you don't know the motives of men's hearts. Only God does. When Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, in that dedication of the temple there in 1 Kings chapter 8, when Solomon was praying, he said that, Lord, only you alone know the hearts of men. And that day will come when it will be truly revealed the hidden things and the counsels of the heart. The fire will come and our works as ministers will be revealed as we discussed in the previous chapter. So don't judge anything before it's time until the Lord brings to light the hidden things of darkness and will manifest the counsels of the heart. In the book of Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, he's ministering during the time when the captivity had begun to Babylon. There were still the leaders and the king there in Jerusalem. It was before the destruction of Jerusalem. And the Lord took Ezekiel and took him by the Spirit to Jerusalem and In the wall that surrounded the temple, where all the religious leaders were, he said, you dig through the wall, Ezekiel, and Ezekiel did. And there he saw all kinds of images of corruption and wickedness and great immorality and pornography is what he saw. And he couldn't believe it. And the Lord said, I'm allowing you, Ezekiel, to see what is in the hearts and the minds of the religious leaders. You see, externally, they had their robes. They seem religious. They seem right. But the Lord was saying, Ezekiel, this is what's in their hearts and in their minds. All this corruptness and immorality that they're thinking about. That's what has filled their hearts and it broke Ezekiel's heart. You cannot hide your heart from God, your motives. You can fool people around you. You can even fool yourself, but not God. And the day is going to come when it's all going to be revealed, is what Paul writes. It will be manifested, the counsels, the intent, the motives of the heart. And then shall every man's praise come from God, not from men. When we stand before the beam and reward seat of Christ, it's not going to be the applause of men all around us, whooping it up and look what he did, and look at the great sermons he spoke, or the great evangelists, or how many people he saved, or the great worship songs that he wrote whatever it might be, it isn't going to be that way. The praises isn't going to come from men, it's going to come from God. And what I hope and pray for every single one of us that are here, that it would be our desire that, Lord, I want to be found faithful to whatever you called me to do, because as you said, each one will be rewarded for what he's called to do. And I desire to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant, from you, from you. And so Paul continues in verse 6, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. So Apollos and me were both ministers, stewards of God. We're working together, laboring in the same field so that there will be a harvest for Christ. We're a part of one temple of God, the same building. We're both yours. So don't divide over us. Don't get puffed up concerning us. Don't take certain sides, in verse 7, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? So Paul here asking a series of questions to get him to think, to bring a point across. God is the one that makes us all different. Paul was the theologian. Apollos the orator. God is the one who made us different. So why would you want to glory in a person or yourself? Or why do you want to exalt a man? It is the Lord that made every single one of us different. And to him be the glory. When I get the opportunity to go to the senior pastors conference in June, and I get to talk to all the other Calvary Chapel pastors from all across the nation, it's great to to be able to talk to them, to see the different personalities, the different guys that God is using, to hear about their ministries, how God is working in those ministries. Uh, Some of them are very large, maybe thousands of people. Some of them very small, maybe only a couple dozen people. But one thing that truly blesses me and over the years is I've been going to those conferences to see those guys coming back year after year after year and they're just being faithful to serving the Lord in the place where God has them. In the community that he has them ministering, teaching the word of God chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Whether it's a small congregation, whether it's a large congregation. It's wonderful here at Calvary Chapel in Greeley because so many of you have been faithful servants of the Lord. And we all have different personalities and different experiences. And, you know, we all have different backgrounds and and experiences, all those things. But God has brought us together. And what I hope and pray is that we would continue just to be faithful and serving the Lord and whatever He's called us to do. But understand that all of us are different and we come together with different personalities. And I've learned to appreciate it so much more because if everybody was like me it'd be pretty boring around here but i love how there are those with you know that just are fun to be around and others that just you know young in the lord and they're excited others that have such great wisdom because they've been walking with the lord i just love to see people serving the lord it really blesses my heart so Paul here says, what do you have that you did not receive? In other words, everything that you have is a gift from God. It's given from above. We can't take credit for it. There's no reason for any of us to have pride. The Lord made you the way that he did. You didn't earn it. You didn't order it. How many of you are, for example, Pastor Jim, when he was in his mother's womb, he didn't order it. Hey, I'm going to be a worship leader. And that's what I want to do, learn to to lead worship and all of this? No, it was the Lord that made Jim, gave him that talent, gave him the gift to be able to do that. So if it is received, why do you boast in it? Give glory for all good things that you have received to the Lord. And Paul goes on to say in verse 8, you are already full, you are already rich, you have reigned as kings without us, and indeed I could wish you did reign that we also might reign with you. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and harmless. And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Verse 13, being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the off of all things until now. It really strikes me in verse 13 when Paul says, we've been made as the filth of the world. Paul, in this section that I just read, he is using a bit of sarcasm. Because the Corinthians were full of pride and puffed up and saw themselves as superior. He says, my, my, you Corinthians, you seem to have it all. And we apostles really don't have anything. And even though he's using this strong sarcasm, you're already full, verse 8, you're full of it is what he's saying. You're just full of it. You're full of pride. And he's trying to get them out of that pride. And he makes a very important point about ministry, about being a faithful servant of the Lord. Ministry isn't about prominence and prestige. And I think that Paul really was bringing this point out. You guys, some of you might even think of me or Cephas. We get to go around, preach the gospel, establish churches. I've I've written much of the New Testament. Look how wonderful I am. Look how great I am. Paul never had that mindset. The truth is, verse 9, we've been made a spectacle to the world. And we have sailed through some very rough and deep waters. We've been hungry and we've been thirsty. Poorly clothed, and we've been beaten. We have no home. We're laboring to make things, you know, to make ends meet, in other words. Paul, he made tents. He never was supported by the Corinthians. We've been persecuted, reviled, and defamed, and we're fools for Christ's sake. Quit thinking that in and of yourselves, that you're so wise and strong and distinguished. Because a true minister of God will be dishonored by the world. Folks, as I talk about ministry and being a servant of the Lord, you've got to know this. It is such a great, wonderful joy to serve the Lord. It's a wonderful honor and privilege to serve the Lord. Do you understand that? The opportunity that God wants every single one of us, whatever that might mean for you, to serve Him and honor Him with your life. But I will be honest with you, it's not always easy. And it won't be always easy for you. Because the world will come against you and others will come against you and judge you. And we need to understand that. So if you think that, well, serving the Lord is some way that I'm going to be noticed and it's going to be just this wonderful, wonderful thing to where no problems or anything Don't think that, because the problems will come, the attacks will come from the enemy, the world will come against you, whatever it might be. And that's why Paul's being honest here. He says it's difficult at times. It's been difficult for us. But he says we've been faithful stewards. And the Lord will reward you when you get to heaven. And that's what we need to keep in mind. That's why the Bible says and calls us that we're to be soldiers for Jesus Christ because the battle's out there. We're to continue to run our race with endurance. All those things to be faithful to Him, because it's not always easy. Verse 14 I do not write these things to shame you, but as as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. I love what Paul is saying here. He says, listen, I'm your father, spiritual father to you. You might have 10,000 instructors. There were people all over the place that had something to say. You got 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers, spiritual fathers. I'm the one that came to Corinth and brought you the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm the one that stayed for a year and a half and established you and taught you the word of God. I'm your spiritual father. In verse 16, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. So he says, imitate me, imitate me. That convicts me. Now Paul's not saying this in pride. In chapter 11 when he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What he is saying is, is that the Lord has shown me and worked through me what it means to be a minister, and I've been through it. I've been through the persecution. I've been through all the difficulties. I don't exalt myself. That's what he's saying, imitate me. But there's an important principle here. And parents, it's this. Or maybe it's you who are ministering to others. Can they look at you Can you and I say to them, imitate me? Would we want to say that? Would we want to say, as Paul said in chapter 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ? It's very convicting, isn't it? And Lord, I pray and I hope that I can, in some sense, tell my children and tell you here at Calvary Chapel, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I hope and I pray that none of us would get into the mindset of, you know what, uh, just, just do what you're supposed to do. But yet we're not living it. We're not being an example of it. You know the saying, do what I say and, you know, not as I do. Because if your children are the people that you're ministering to, they look at you and they don't see a person who's desiring to love the Lord and walk in humility and godly integrity and character. It's going to be a joke to them. Kids pick up on it. I have parents that come to me and say, well, we want our kids to, to come to Sunday school because we want them to learn you know, morals and learn what's right and wrong. And the first thing I'll say to them oftentimes is, well, what about you? And I don't say it in in a condemning way. I say, what about you and what you're learning? And We all need that. Parents, you lead your children. Ministers, we are to lead the people and be that godly example to them. And I pray that there's some sort, something that we can say, you know what, imitate me. Not in pride or being puffed up, but as I've learned from the Lord, and he, as he's worked in my life, I pray that these things are worked out in your life as well. The integrity, the character. In verse 18, now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod, or in love, or a spirit of gentleness? He says, some of you are puffed up. You're thinking that I'm going to lose sight of you, not visit you. If the Lord's will, I'm going to come to you. And I'd really like to come to you in gentleness, not with a rod of correction and rebuke. And Paul seemed to always be coming to the Corinthians with a rebuke and a rod of correction. He loved them, and he loved them enough to give them this truth. And you and I, may we understand this, that the Lord's coming back for us. So we have no reason to be puffed up. And my prayer, that you be found faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. Just wherever God has you, that you would dig in, plant yourself there, and be faithful. Raising your children in the ways of the Lord, ministering to others, being faithful to his word, being faithful to to just be a blessing to others. Be faithful day after day. Keep rowing, okay, folks? Keep rowing. Plant yourself in the field. Be a good steward to know how to pull out the goods for the master. And you will be blessed in this life. It may not always be easy, but you'll be blessed. And you'll be blessed when the Lord comes back.
1: Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970 970- 970 30-1717. That number again? 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7.00 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig.